from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. It's Thursday, February 29th, 2024. Thank y'all for tuning in this morning. We've got a busy, busy show. Lockbit is back. What was celebrated nearly a week and a half ago has now been essentially all of those gains have been decimated by the fact that Logbit is back with a whole bunch of stuff. And so we'll get into that today's show and so, so, so much more. Please, if you're this is your first time tuning in, this is a 10 to 15 minute show strictly for practitioners on what really matters out of the headlines. We constantly see because cyber news is a constant feed and we're constantly hearing things and you've got to really kind of take apart the headlines. That's what we do on the show. So if you don't mind subscribing, following us, you can go to our Substack, jamesazar.substack.com, where you can get all the latest. Um, and we do a, a written summary of this in an article format with action points. All of that's available for free on our Substack. Go to jamesazar.substack.com. You can catch it all there. Now, without further ado, join me for a show tradition. My double espresso, whatever you're drinking this morning. Coffee cup, cheers, y'all. Let's go ahead and kick this off with the North Korean group known as Lazarus exploiting a flaw into Windows app locker driver to appid.sys as a zero day to gain kernel level access and turn off security tools, allowing them to bypass the noisy bring your own vulnerable driver technique. The activity detected by Avis analyst promptly reported to Microsoft, leading to a fix of the flaw. Track the CVE 2024-21338 as part of this February patch 2024 patch Tuesday. However, Microsoft does not mark the flaw as being exploited as a zero-day. Avist for their end saying it's being used as a zero-day. It has all the hallmarks of a zero-day. Therefore, it should be a zero-day. The malware exploited the vulnerability in the Microsoft's app ID.sys driver Windows app locker component that promotes uh that that sorry provides application whitelisting capability lazarus exploited it by manipulating the input and output control dispatcher in the app id.sys driver to call for an arbitrary pointer tricking the kernel into executing unsafe code thus bypassing all kinds of different security checks and tools you would have in place they've also observed a new stealth features and expanded capabilities in the rootkit version like the ability to uh, suspect process protected by the protected process light by manipulating handle table entries, selective and targeted disruptions via DKOM, and enhancements in tampering with driver signature enforcement and secure boat, secure boot. Sorry, this new exploit tactic marks a significant evolution in their kernel access capabilities, allowing them to launch stealthier attacks and gain persistence on systems for a much, much longer period. All in all, this has been a challenge. Lockbit is back at it and they're conducting attacks. So after uh, the NS, uh, NCA, FBI, Europol all were like, we've disrupted him with opera- Operation Cronus. What have we done? Here's all the things we've done. Here we are. Here's a website. This is their leak site. Everyone watch, look, see, we've got it under control. Okay. Lockbit's back. Again, we talked about this yesterday on the show. The decentralized nature of the cyber criminal gangs make it so the traditional methods of law enforcement do not work in these cases. 
they do not work. You're not taking it down. You're taking down a fraction or a version or a piece of a larger decentralized ability to operate in order to create disruption and then create for them financial gain. Logbit has set up a new data leak site, left a note addressed to the FBI claiming law enforcement breached their servers using a PHP bug. However, instead of rebranding and coming up with a different name like many groups do before, they're sticking to the name they like. That's their brand. Zscalers reported that the ransomware gang updated their encryptor's ransom notes with a new Tor URL for the gang's new infrastructure. Bleeping Computer later found samples of the encryptors uploaded to virus total yesterday shared by the malware hunter team and today containing the updated ransom notes. Bleeping Computer also confirmed that the operations negotiation servers are live again, but only work for victims of new attacks. All in all, at the time of Lockbit's takedown, the ransomware operation of approximately 180 affiliates working with them to conduct attacks. And chances are the uh, action may have took one or two down, but not the other 170 and so forth. And again, the decentralized action of this, by the way, is what defenders need to be made very, very aware of in the security operation realm, as well as in the governance realm, when you realize that you're not dealing with one body. Yes, the note comes from Lockbit. The note will come from Black Cat. The note will come from, you know, Black Basta or whoever. But at the end of the day, the operations, the wheels behind it, and the way they infiltrated your system is done by multiple different parties doing a small part in order to help them get to where they are, kind of very similar to you think if, if, if you like football american football that is not not soccer the european or, or global version of what football would be every player on the team has a role if they all do the role you've got a successful play however if the defense picks up what the offense is doing then no matter how much it is it becomes a skill level type of game and the same applies here these groups these affiliates they work in a skill level basis i can get uh access controls i can get networks uh, uh snooping i can do credential harvesting i can do really good phishing i can uh, build a really good exploit for a vulnerability and all of those come together and everyone has a piece of the puzzle and they're different pieces some of these people may never ever interact real in real life kind of very similar to how we did during the the, the pandemic in 2020 and 2021 where you know some people new people online but never really met them in person until recently the same applies for these groups and that's how they operate and it's really critical for us as practitioners to understand it because we're never going to see the same signature come across we're going to see different actions in our environment and we've got to say what does this action match up with and this is what you use you this is where you would use miter attack or defend right and you would get what what does this action tell me they're looking to do and then mark that and that would be the best way to defend against it Avanti Connect Secure just cannot seem to get out of the news. We've talked yesterday a little bit about China's utilizing living off the land technique with the Avanti stuff. Avanti has now released an enhanced external integrity checker tool. This helps you identify what we talked about yesterday with China. This is in the show links. Amandian is saying you really do need to do this because thousands of organizations have been in fact in infected by the different uh, activities, mainly by the Chinese taking advantage of it. And they're, they're still in your system, even if you've patched it. So you want to use this new tool in order to ensure that they're not there anymore. Um, and again, that's available in the show notes, or you can get it on our Substack. 
Cisco on Wednesday released its semi-annual FXOS and NXOS security advisory bundle with information on phone, sorry, four vulnerabilities, including two high severity flaws in the NXOS software. Those CVE 2024-20321 exist because of an external border gateway protocol traffic that's mapped to a shared hardware rate limiter queue. The uh, This is updated and patched. The second significant issue and high issue is CVE 2024-20267, and it exists because processing an ingress MPLS frame lacked proper error checking. An unauthenticated remote attacker could encapsulate a crafted IPv6 packet in an MPLS frame and send it to a vulnerable device to cause a denial of service condition. Those have all been patched. You want to make sure you get that. These are predominantly popular in data centers. So that's something to keep in mind if you're wondering where you would find this. Predominantly, most use cases, data centers. So if you've got one of those, you want to make sure you get that taken care of. Australia is facing its highest ever threat from espionage and foreign interference according to the country's security, uh, domestic security agency, warning that many Australians are being targeted for espionage and foreign interference than ever before. Australians need to know that the threat is real, the threat is now, and the threat is deeper and broader than you might think, according to Mike Burgess, delivering the agency's annual threat assessment on Wednesday evening. The Director General of the Australian Security Intelligence Organization said there was a particular team in a particular foreign intelligence service with a particular focus on Australia, we are its priority target, although it doesn't name the nation state uh, or any details about their tactics. He called the group the A-Team. The name wasn't intended to be a compliment, warning that several years ago, the A-Team successfully cultivated and recruited a former Australian politician. This politician sold out their country party and former colleagues to advance the entrance, interest of the foreign regime. This is all, again, going to be tied to China even though they say it's not, and they won't name it, but China has significant uh, um, move. What China used to do, you know, 10 years ago, uh, Australia had to change the rules because of that. Australia would say that you, if you bought property in Australia, you would get a residency. And so China was sending a whole bunch of CCP operatives to buy property to get residency in China and then set up in specific locations by military bases, national security stuff, uh, critical infrastructure, and so forth. And so Australia had to change the rule, launch investigations, whole story about that. His comments align with Vault Typhoon. Um, and again, Vault Typhoon is, is, is China's big one. And Newberger, the White House Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber and Emerging Technologies, warned, we know it's not just for espionage purpose. They're looking at sectors like this in order to create disruptions. And that's what the Chinese have been doing for ages. And the West is just now waking up to the fact. Uh, welcome to the party. We've been talking about it for a decade. Japan's Computer uh, Security Incident Response Team, JP CERT, is warning that the North Korean group Lazarus has uploaded four malicious PyPy packages to infect developers with malware. PyPy is the repository for Python for open source software packages that software developers utilize in Python projects. The lack of strict checks on the platform has made it a prime target for many criminal and nation state organizations where they mimic popular packages in order to get developers to use them and then they get a backdoor into that python package there's four new ones that were uh, put in there according to the jp cert see those on the screen overall just under uh you know two maybe three thousand downloads all in all so so nothing too crazy but you want to double check if you are on the python side of the house and your team is using python which most organizations do you just want to double check that those libraries are right there on the screen in front of you 
were not being used. And again, you can find those four packages uh, on our show notes and in the links uh, on the show as well there. A, after the threat actor behind SolarWinds attack compromised the company's Orion network management product and leveraged it to break into target enterprise networks, the group often used a technique dubbed Golden SAML to maintain persistence. There's a new technique now called Silver SAML. This is taking advantage of Active Directory Federation Services token signing certificate and using it to forge SAML response tokens. The twist to the Golden SAML technique was come, come, came from Sempris this week. In details about a new version of the technique that they've dubbed Silver SAML, like the original, it involves SAML response forgery, doesn't require the attacker to have access to ADFS. It works with Microsoft's Intra-ID, formerly known as Azure Active Directory, and any other identity provider environment permits the import of externally generated SAML signing certificate. The main difference is where the attack is implemented, according to Eric Woodruff. Uh, Golden SAML historically has been used to move into the Intra-ID and then optionally other applications. Silver SAML only allows you to move into applications. It won't breach Intra-ID itself, and that's not to set off Intra-ID security features on simply because of the way it's managed and the way the security provisions are in Intra-ID. That would be the set off there, but if you're using it as a SAML, as essentially an SSO, then you're able to take advantage of that as well. In the Golden SAML attack, CyberArk first described in 2017, an adversary steals the ADFS token signing certificates, then uses it to forge tokens granting themselves access to any federated service or app. Now, these ones are externally generated. They're not going after enter IDs, meaning they become harder to identify, and that's where you need visibility into this kind of uh, into uh, all your other applications, and you've got to be able to manage your identity. Identity detection and response might be new to some people but but it hasn't been new for for years um it's 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 identity is the new perimeter and this is one of those where you can see this definitely becoming something that could have tremendous success uh in the future as well and finally threat hunters discovered a new linux mal malware backdoor called gtp door that's designed to be deployed in telecom networks that are adjacent to gprs roaming exchanges the malware is novel in the fact that it leverages the GPRS tunneling protocol for command and control communication. GPRS roaming allows subscribers to access their GPRS services when they are beyond the reach of their home mobile network, typically uh, away in some places. Uh, security researchers who discovered the two GDP, uh, GTP door uh, artifacts uploaded it to VirusTotal from China and Italy, said the backdoor is likely linked to known threat actor tracked as Light Basin, a.k.a. UNC, one nine or four five, which was previously disclosed by CrowdStrike in 2021, in connection to with a series of attacks targeting the telecom sectors to steal subscriber information and call metadata. Put differently, GTP Door allows a threat actor that already has established persistence on the roaming exchange network to contact a compromised host by sending a GTPC echo request message with malicious payloads. It can covertly be probed from an external network to elicit a response by sending a TCP packet to any port number. So this is something to keep in mind if you are in telecom. That's it for our show this morning. Tomorrow, two CISOs at 11 a.m. Eastern. Myself and Chris Fallon will be hanging out. We're going to probably talk Zero Trust, Miss CSF 2.0. Tune in 30 minutes, just a fun Friday. Bring your questions, bring your topics, whatever you want. Tune in live. You can find it on my LinkedIn page, on YouTube, and on Chris Fallon's uh, social media as well. Till then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, y'all, stay cyber safe. 
We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. 